Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Christensen, published by Lone Pine Publishing. Margaret sends for help. Josiah Wilbarger felt a fiery explosion of pain at the base of his scalp. With an agonizing scream, he fell from his saddle. Blood began to pour from the wound, soaking the tall prairie grasses in which his crumpled body lay. I'm dying, he thought, with a certain amount of disbelief. When he heard the blood-curdling screams nearby, he knew that his friend was dying too. He was a man who had good friends, as he was a good friend to others. In particular, he was close to a fellow named Reuben Hornsby, who had followed him from Missouri to Texas in the early 1800s. Will Barger was not married, but enjoyed many of the comforts of family life through his companionship with Hornsby and his wife and family. He had consumed many fine meals played with the children and spent many an evening in comfortable conversation by the Hornsby family hearth. Even Hornsby's wife, Sarah, considered the young bachelor a welcome fixture in their lives. Life on the Texas frontier could be hard, but having good friends and neighbors eased the way. Occasionally, however, even the best of companions couldn't keep one safe. Will Barger and four other fellows had been out on a hunting trip. They had ended their expedition and were traveling toward Reuben Hornsby homestead when their luck ran dry. The group was ambushed by a party of Comanches who had opened fire on them before they were even aware of what was happening. Two of the men escaped, but Will Berger's friends, Thomas Christian and William Shroth, were shot off their horses just as he had been. It was their screams he heard as the Comanche warriors slit their throats and claimed their scalps. Temporarily paralyzed, he had been by the raffle ball that lay in the base of his skull. Wilberger was unable to defend himself or even respond as he heard the braves move in to finish him off. Terrified, he waited for the sensation of steel to hit his throat. Instead, he felt a hand roughly grasp a handful of hair and jerk his head upward. There was a torturously long minute of exhausted pain as the razor-sharp blade peeled a circle of scalp back from his skull. Merciful blackness followed. Josiah Wahlberger awoke to discover that he was naked, bloody, and in excruciating pain, but still alive. Darkness was falling across the quiet plain. The injured man managed to slowly open his eyes and survey the horrid scene around him. He could see the lifeless corpse of Christian and Schroether, and he realized that he had escaped being killed 
only because the Comanches had thought him already dead. A second, darker realization was that he may have survived the attack only to die a much slower death, exposed to the harsher elements of nature. Will Barker could barely crawl. He had no food or water. He had no clothing to protect himself from the chill of the night or the day's blistering sun. Reuben Hornsby's place was a good eight miles away, but it might as well have been 800. The situation appeared hopeless. Josiah Wellberger managed to crawl as far as the nearest tree and propped himself up against its trunk and declared, It is here I'll die, here beneath this tree. Nonsense, Josiah Wellberger. The voice was feminine and soft and had a playful scolding tone. Are such dramatics really necessary? Wilberger continued. Wilberger could not believe his ears. Slowly, he turned his head in the direction of the voice. There, in the Texas twilight, stood his older sister, Margaret. She gazed down upon him with an expression that he remembered so well from his boyhood days, when Margaret was like a second mother to the Wilberger clan. Her hands were sternly placed upon her hips, and she shook her head solemnly. As always, though, there was a twinkle in her eyes. You've really done it to yourself now, my brother, she chided. This was not entirely my doing, Josiah Wilberger croaked in his defense. The effort of speech brought forth a dry, spactic cough from his parched throat. The pressure lit fire in the wounds of his skull, and Wahlberger cried out in pain. Margaret's face softened into the look of sympathy, and the teasing went out of her voice. I haven't much time, dear Josiah, so listen well and heed what I say. I want you to stay here beneath this tree and wait for the help I will send. I promise that you will be rescued before sunset tomorrow. Wilberger did listen to what his sister had to say and nodded stiffly to show that he understood. He then forced his aching throat and swollen tongue to form one important question. How did you find me, Margaret? Wilberger's sister lived in Missouri. How she had known of his predicament, traveled to Texas so quickly, and managed to find him was a mystery. It seemed that it would remain a mystery, for even Josiah Wilberger was speaking. Margaret began to walk off into the distance. By some trick of the rising moon, she seemed to drift effortlessly across the rough ground. Wilberger tried to call out and ask her to stay, but the dark curtain within his head was falling again. It would be hours before he regained any level of consciousness. The next day brought mercilessly, August heat down on Josiah Wilberger. Several times he considered crawling away to search for water, but stopped himself when he remembered Margaret's instructions. The bit of shade that the tree provided was a blessing, and if only he could hold on until sunset, he would be alright. If only he could hold on. The shadows were growing long, and Wilberger began to slip in and out of consciousness. Sometimes he dreamed of the Comanches had come back to kill him. Sometimes he wished that they would. As the sun began to set, Wilberger imagined the gentle hands were lifting him onto a buckboard. When he felt a cool splash of water against his cracked, dried lips, he realized that he was not experiencing another trick of the mind. He was being rescued. Slowly, Josiah, a familiar voice soothed, You can have as much water as you want, but only a little at a time. Don't want to cramp up now. It was Reuben Horsby holding the canteen back a little as Wilberger clutched it greedily. Reuben, how? Wilberger tried but was too weak to speak. 
It would be days before he could tell his strange story or hear the details of his own rescue. Josiah, are you feeling well enough to join us by the fire? As Sarah Hornsby asked the question, she was already arranging some comfortable cushions in Warburger's favorite chair. The man had been in their home for more than a week, recovering from his injuries, and had just managed to take his first evening meal at the kitchen table. He looked tired, but Sarah knew that their friend was anxious to talk about his ordeal. She sent the children off to bed and told her husband that he should pour out a bit of the brandy that was saved for special occasions and crises. The three friends settled in by the hearth and sipped their drinks. Then the Horsbys listened attentively as Josiah Wahlberger told his story. He left out no detail, including the vision he had of his sister, Margaret. He knew that if anyone would believe him, it was Reuben and Sarah. When he came to the end of his tale, he said, That's all I can tell you, but now I would like to know how it was that you came to rescue me. The couple looked at each other. There was a moment of silence. Then Reuben began to speak. You can thank Sarah, he said. For when we heard about the attack, we had given you up for dead. But then she had, well, I suppose it was a dream. That night she woke me up saying that you were alive. She had seen you. She knew where you were. Reuben paused thoughtfully and stared into the fire. Sarah had been silent for the entire time that they had been sitting together, took up the story. It was like a dream, but so real, Josiah. I saw you, pardon me, naked and bloody, propped up under a big tree. I knew how far away the tree was, and I knew what direction to go. I knew you were alive, and I wouldn't let Reuben rest until he agreed to take some men looking for you. Sarah and Reuben exchanged a knowing look, and Reuben smiled ever so slightly. It's true, he admitted. I had no rest that night. Wilberger shook his bandaged head in disbelief. When did you have this dream, he asked. Not long after I fell asleep, said Sarah Hornsby. And I saw Margaret at sunset, Wilberg amused. It was like she went for help as she promised. But how could she have been here in any form to help me when she lives in Missouri and knew nothing of my predicament? It's a mystery to be sure. As Wilberger tapped out his pipe and rose unsteadily to go to bed, he shared one final thought with his host. I'll have to write to Margaret about this, he said. I wonder if she won't have a story of her own concerning that night. Before Josiah Wilberger could put his thoughts on paper, however, he received a letter from Missouri. Sadly, it was notifying him that his dearest Margaret had passed away peacefully in her sleep. The paper shook in Wahlberger's hands as he noted that the date of her death had been the exact date that his hunting party had been attacked. The time of her death, he read, had been sunset. It was the very hour at which Margaret's spirit had appeared to Josiah, bringing comfort and hope to an injured brother out on the lonely Texas plains.